Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. What's going on, everybody? Paddle and Finn has got a meetup going down October 16th through 18th at Eastport Marina and Resort in Alpine, Tennessee, which which falls right on Dale Hollow. What we're going to be doing is just hanging out, fishing. Uh, depending on the number of people that show up and the interest, we may do a small tournament. Uh, we will have some stuff to give away Saturday evening. We're going to do a hangout and a little little barbecue action we'll have food for everybody if you're looking for lodging you could stay right at the resort it's fifty dollars per person per night um, and what you get is your own personal bedroom on a houseboat luxury houseboat courtesy eastport marina that's a special price they gave us to lend to our listeners if you want uh, more info on the resort you can go to eastport.info and uh, their website will pop up there you'll see all the houseboats and things like that a majority of our hosts are going to be there and we would love to spend some time on the water with you this segment is brought to you by jigmaster jigs when in doubt get the jig out go to jigmasters.com and use promo code pnf20 and save 20 percent off your next jig order today Welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beer segment on the Paddle and Fin Network. It's your host, Armando Solá. And on this segment, we kick back with a special guest and talk about life, kayak fishing, and the pursuit of big bass. So get your cold brews on and enjoy the show. So welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers segment on the Paddle and Pin Network. My special guest for the day is Mr. Luke Johnston. But before we start, I almost forgot, check out Douglas Rods, sponsor for my show, DouglasOutdoors.com, to check the full lineup of rods, great, amazing rods. They're actually featured now on Tackle Warehouse. So if you want to order online, you can order online on TackleWarehouse.com. So anyways, like I said, I got Luke Johnston. Um He's from the great northwest, from the northern Oregon area, right, Luke? Yeah, that's right. Luke, well, thank you very much for joining me to the show. Before I let Luke do an introduction, and I kind of want to go give you a little um, uh, behind-the-stage kind of thing about how the show came up. And this is going to be – bear with me because this is going to be – I'm probably going back way more than I need to to explain the show. Kind of interesting. So a lot of you know I'm, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, and I'm from that. I was born in the mid '70s, so that's kind of like what I call that cable TV generation. Where even though Puerto Rico is part of the U.S., we all you the citizens over there. 
we really didn't get to see the American pop culture until cable TV got mainstream. So that was to me somewhere in the mid eighties where I, my dad got cable TV and I got immersed, immersed into the American pop culture. And with it came those Sunday morning, um, outdoor TV shows, um, and that involved bass fishing. And that's where I really fell in love with fishing, even though we couldn't really bass fish in Puerto Rico because nobody did bass fishing um, back then in Puerto Rico. But I used to love it. My mom would say, say she would wake up early in the morning on a Sunday. She'd see me with my rods and my tackle box. I was about seven years old, just sitting and watching uh, Bill dance. Probably I can't even remember what shows were uh, were at that time. But anyways, so I got obsessed or not obsessed but i really had a fascination for bass fishing and you know a few a few years ago i moved here to texas and i finally get to do some real bass fishing here in texas and i've always been fascinated with bass fishing like i said and i know it's for the most part it was for a few decades most more of a southern culture right but it now has grown what it has expanded to pretty much everywhere in the u.s and i've always got a I guess an asphyxiation for how um, California is completely different in the fact that it's geographically just kind of separated. You don't see any many great Cali hammers doing that uh, trips down to the Midwest to do bass fishing. But yeah, when you, all those great anglers uh, from the Midwest go to California to fish, uh, it's hard to even crack the top 10 to all locals. And it speaks to what great anglers has. So moving to the future, I got a message from my special guest, Luke Johnston, who called me out for not showing love to those great Northwest anglers. And he's completely right. I have been ignoring my Northern Northwest anglers way too much. So I extended an olive branch and I got one of your best Northern anglers for bass fishing here in my show, Luke Johnston. So thankful. Thank you, Luke, for first of all, calling me out, which you did. And I have to admit, you know, mea culpa. And again, and thank you for coming on our show, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I, I didn't like, I, yeah, I didn't mean to, to call you out, man. I just, yeah, dude, it's, you know, like, like, like I was saying before, uh, you know, we just, you know, it's like, it's almost like bass that don't exist, you know, at, outside of the, you know, California on the West coast. Uh, and they definitely do, you know, I, I've been fishing for them now for, for about five years and, uh, uh, yeah, man, they're, they're here and there, there's some big ones too. And we've got some really good bass water. So I'm excited to share some of that. No, but I'm happy you, 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 and I, and when I say calling me out, it's, it's actually, he would send me a DM message and say, hey, remember us guys over here, show us some love. And it's right. Um, and I haven't traveled to the great Northwest, you know, that being Portland, um, and, um, and Seattle area. I almost got a job. Actually, that's funny. I almost got a job for um, in what used to be Immigration and Naturalization Service, the INS, to work in Vancouver right before September 11. I used to work at the airport. Um, no, actually, after September 11. I used to, uh, I was in charge of security at the airport in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Not in charge, I should say, overseeing the operations, kind of do a quality control. So I got to know a lot of federal agents and they told me, Hey man, they're about to hire a bunch of people at INS. Why don't you come in and interview? And I did. And I took the federal test, which if you ever taken a federal test to become a federal agent, 
I'm I'm gonna pat myself on the back on this one. Those are hard tests, man. I bet they are. I I thought I flunked, and they told me, you know, they usually call like the top tier on you know as far as scores goes, and then they'll trickle down to the ones who got like you know in the mid 80s and stuff like that if they see how positions open and i found out i got like an and again i'm bragging here but i got like a 98 or 95 i think it was so i got called immediately and i know i'm going on this story i wasn't expecting to go but um there was no local positions here there in san juan so they were telling me well you could go to us but this says if you go to canada which they're trying to get more people over there you get paid for um housing and uh, cost of living is more. So I said, yeah, I'll apply to Canada. Um, and then the whole merger with INS and what is it, Customs Border Protection and uh, Customs got merged into what is called Homeland Security. And that delayed the whole process so long that um, I even got a diplomatic passport issued and everything, but I never got the job and I stayed cur- at my current job. So anyways, uh, I, I went off the rails on the episode. No, but you, you would have been, been over here. Uh, I would have been over there, man. Sharon, Sharon. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I fell in love with that area over there of Vancouver area. It's beautiful. I think it's great. Um, so anyways, Luke is here to talk about that. Luke, before we start talking and diving in into bass fishing in the great Northwest, tell us a little bit you know, backstory about yourself, what got you into fishing, you know, what got you kayak fishing and bass fishing? Because I know over there you were talking was more like salmon, steelhead trout and stuff like that, but you actually do more bass fishing. So give us your backstory on that. Yeah, man, absolutely. So when I was a kid, you know, just like a lot of people, you know, dad took me out fishing and um, I grew up over here, you know, um, lived here pretty much my whole life and and it was all it was all trout when i was a kid because we you know all the lakes around here are stocked with trout but the rivers and the streams are packed full of native trout native cutthroat trout and all you need is like a little spinner you know like rooster tail spinners were the go-to i mean i i've lost and you know and used so many rooster tails it's just stupid um and uh you know so yeah my dad used to take me fishing we'd catch some some nice trout in the rivers and then uh, I grew up doing that, and in the little town that I grew up uh, in the in the mountain range that's to the west of here, the coast range. So we have the Cascades, which is the big mountains. You know, everybody knows. You know, Mount Saint Helens, for example, was the volcano that exploded, right? Yeah. Mount Hood, so on. And then and then here, you know, Portland and and uh, in that area is in the valley. And then there's another mountain range before you get to the coast. And in that coast range is where I grew up. Uh, and, uh, there was a little lake there, you know, go catch some trout all the time. And in the river, I used to, I used to just put on like old crappy tennis shoes and shorts and just trek like miles down this river that ran through town, just catching cutthroat trout. And man, yeah, you could catch them like up to, you know, 16 inches in there. Um, nice trout. And, um, and I got out of that as I got into high school and then, uh, into college and pretty much for probably close to 10 years. I didn't fish at all, really. Um, it just, life just kind of, you know, got away from me there for a while. And, uh, and one day it was about, I guess it was about five years ago, I think 2016. I just, went, you know, kind of woke up one day and was like, man, I got to go fishing. I don't know. It's just something just was at, you know, getting at me. So I went and bought a mm. kind of, you know, looking back was a cheap, cheap rod and reel, I think at, a, at Cabela's, you know, like a $30, $40 combo. And Except a couple of trout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. I think it was probably their name brand thing, whatever. And, uh, and I went out to a lake that's, you know, not too far from here and was just throwing again, that same thing I knew from a, from being a kid, that, that little, uh, probably like, you know, eighth ounce rooster tail. 
and uh, they had just stocked the lake, right? They must have just stocked it like that weekend or something. And, and I caught like, I don't know, 12 trout, right? In an afternoon. And it was wow. just like that, you know, that rush, that feeling again of like, oh man, yeah, I remember how this felt when I was a kid, you know? And then, um, and then from there, there's, there's a lake uh, not too far from here. One of our, one of our better uh, lakes, it's all kinds of recreation. It's, it's a, it's a reservoir, um, pretty big lake. It's called uh, hag lake. And, uh, and I knew they had bass in there. And so I was like, man, that'd be cool to catch some bass. And I hadn't bass fished as a kid, really. I, I had attempted, um, but never really succeeded. I was like, that'd be cool to catch a bass. So I went up there with the, literally that same rod and one lure. I had a, a Texas rig weightless Sanko. And just, just before that, like a week before that, I was on the internet, you know, how do you, how do you rig a, rig a Senko? What is a Senko? You know, and taught myself how to rig it. I had no idea what I was doing. Anyway, that first time I went out, I caught one bass and, uh, but I was looking out sort of across the lake and there was just this huge grass flat that I couldn't get to. There was no access. Like it was down this kind of sheer wall where the opposite road, you know, the road on the opposite side dropped down. And I mean, I guess you could hike down there if you were feeling real ambitious, but I was thinking, how can I get there? I need a boat, right? And then, so, you know, I get on, get on the internet and I was looking at Dick's Sporting Goods, right? Oh man, they got kayaks. They're only 200 bucks. Like, and I could get a paddle for 50 and I could get a life jacket, you know? And next thing I know, I'm like, oh, $300 all in and I can get over that grass flat, <laughs> right? And that's all I wanted at the time, you know? Next thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm strapping a, a, you know, a Pelican, I don't even know what it was, Pelican trailblazer 100 i think sit inside you know 200 dollars kayak i'm strapping it on foam blocks to the top of my honda civic you know and uh i had never been in a kayak i've never been in a bass boat you know i, I had no idea what i was doing um but that was it that was the impetus and then uh you know from there i i i, I had that kayak for two years um i took that thing everywhere man i i like uh i like going camping and I'll, I'll set up like a three-day camping trip at some lake, some destination lake, and I'll camp there so that I get, you know, I'll get there early morning on, say, Friday morning or something, and I'll fish three solid days at one lake, you know, that I wouldn't drive three hours to on a weekend, you know. And uh, so so I took that like across the state. I crossed over to the eastern side of the state. I, I took it down south. I took it like up north. I took it everywhere I could think to go in one summer. Uh, and it was crazy. And uh and it, I was just stuck. I was I was so hooked on it. And then uh, a couple of years later, I upgraded to my current kayak, and I've been fishing out of that for a few years. But uh, yeah, man, it just I, I felt that thing as a kid, you know. And and then I, I felt it again when I was an adult, and it's just I love it now, you know. Just do it all the time. It's all I think about. That's awesome. That's pretty much. A, a, I thought I was maybe. Not the only one, but one of the few that had that kind of like same back story. And I've, as I've done the podcast, I realized there's a lot of us out there. And I was talking to, I think it was, um, um, I forgot his first name, God, uh, from Pond Boys. We were talking about that same thing. I think it was him. We we're talking about, you know, once you get into those before you, right before the teens, where you start showing interest in girls, now it's more of oh, a yeah. hormonal decision that you like. Girls really like other stuff other than fishing. They're not really into fishing. So that kind of like takes you away from fishing and then kind of do a full circle, which is kind of my story and I guess everybody's story. Now, I, I didn't grow up in a bass fishing culture. And that's one thing that I find interesting when you look at all the um, great tournament anglers, uh, Russ Snyder, who's actually um, 
on the noob segment today on Battle and Fan and Cody Milton, who I've had on my show. It's different for guys like you and me who don't come from a bass fishing culture. Right. Like we fish, but you know, it's very different go from trout to bass fishing. And for me, it was more like catfish, you know, throwing hooks with worms. Um, and then when I was in freshwater, when I was in saltwater in Puerto Rico, then was, you know, fishing for At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. You know, whatever I can find on saltwater. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a huge learning curve for us that don't come from that, you know, blue collar, grass-rooted um, bass fishing culture. And it's interesting how the sport has grown so much, which is not just a Southern thing right now. It's more nation ingrained in kind of like American culture and pop culture. Yeah, um, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if there's not a state in the country no. that you couldn't go catch a bass in. Honestly, yeah. I mean, there, you know, there's there's places like that you don't really think about having bass. You know, like maybe, you know, the Rocky Mountain states, Colorado, Utah, you know, Idaho, yeah. whatever, Montana. I, but I'm I'm sure they're bass there. They're, oh yeah, Catherine you know, Fields. Just, you don't hear about it. Yeah, Catherine Fields, a great angler. She's from Utah. And she she um fishes out of bass for bass in Utah. And it's interesting. I I, I can't remember. You know, I don't want to swear by this because i don't remember i was reading an article on uh, bass fishing and how bass fishing was really just like bass up until not that long ago i don't want to say the word recently because i don't think that's accurate but not that long ago bass were just you know the kind of like alabama tennessee area and then it got introduced to some other areas and I'm assuming a lot of it had to do with, um, you know, getting the tourists, in, you know, coming over and all that. Um, so it's very interesting how is it going. And and I I didn't realize that. I thought bass was just native, you know, United States. Um, but it's actually not. But it is native United States, but not everywhere in the United States. Like uh, Great Northwest, bass were introduced there. It's not that they're naturally from there. So that's that was very interesting to me. Um, but uh, a couple of things that I wanted to touch you and I forgot. Um, how is everybody doing up there? Because I know you guys um, oh, man, yeah. have been have a rough go about, you know, with the whole wildfires, um, you know, plaguing that area. How is you? How's your family? How's the community where you live have been affected by the wildfires? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, for me, where I live, we're all OK. Right. Like so I live on the west side of the city. Um, of Portland, you know, in the suburbs and uh, nothing happened over here, but uh, man on the east side. So on the, the southeast side of the, the city, it gets it, it goes from city to rural real quick. Mm. Um, and uh, I had some a co-worker who got evacuated. It was like at a stage two evacuation or something. And like and then um, so the, the fires. Yeah, they, they really came up close. The, you know, uh, two years ago, we had a fire in the in the Columbia River. Uh, the Columbia, we call it the gorge. It's basically a big canyon there, but the, on the Columbia River. And, uh, you know, we woke up, I had ash on my car. 
Well, you know, so so it, it definitely happens. Uh, and, and this one was equally as scary because, you know, these fires, they, they just start coming in uh, toward the city and, you know, uh, populated areas. I mean, you know, Portland, you know, it kind of it seems like a small city, but in the metro area here, there's like two million people. So if a fire starts out in any of the like, you know, rural sort of pieces that are just slightly connected and it starts coming in, it's going to affect a lot of people real quick. But really, um, south of us, man, like down in the in the central of the state near Eugene, which is our second biggest city, um, people people like in, in a, a couple entire little towns got got decimated, and then uh, and then south um, down uh, uh, near Medford, uh, literal dude, I saw pictures like literal just houses were just piles of ash. Oh. And so, yeah, so I appreciate you bringing that up. It, it is rough, yeah. man. And my heart goes out to those people for sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's a tough, but yeah, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're dealing with it a lot more recently, you know, it's, it's actually gotten yeah. probably worse, you know, forest fires are nothing new, um, you know, lightning strikes and things up in the mountains happen and, and then that causes those fires, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's just like, you know, our population's growing. There's more people yeah. at risk. Um, you know, our, our summers are getting hotter and longer. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it's dang near October. It was 85 degrees today. You know, luck, luckily we had some rain, uh, the last week it, it rained a lot, uh, which helped a lot, you know, and the, and the winds died down too, which was a yeah. big thing. So, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. You know, every, everybody yeah. I know is doing okay, but, uh, definitely some people, uh, did not fare so well. You know, yeah. so. And our hearts, uh, thoughts and prayers to everybody over there, because, you know, bass, we all love bass fishing, kayak fishing, but I mean, life, you know, um, takes a hand, you know, and we, we have to acknowledge that and, you know, send out our best, going to take a moment to reflect on that because um, it's a very unfortunate situation yeah, um, that a lot of you um, are going through out there. So definitely our thoughts and prayer. Hope, you know, things are now looking better and um, they'll stay that way at least for a while and people that have been affected can rebuild and move on with their lives so definitely yeah, um not so. um it's it's funny that you mentioned the sound uh san helen uh volcano that was my first um national geographic magazine that i've read that oh, my yeah. first when i subscribed national geographic my mom did for me i was young i was starting I, I showed interest in science and and all that um that was my first national geographic that that article that uh, really focused on sound helen but anyways don't want to get too much out of the subject so Tell us a little bit, um, Luke, about how do you approach bass fishing? And I'm assuming um, most of it is smallmouth, and you do have largemouth bass up there. In, oh, yeah, we do. Yeah. And, and excuse my ignorance, you do, right? Yep. So tell us, how do you? what's the difference between fishing for smallmouth bass and largemouth bass? You up, mean over here? Over there, yeah, of course. Like yeah. the difference between the two. Well, you know what let me let me start with some similarities and then i'll go yeah. to some differences because sure. the thing is so you know when i when i first started bass fishing i'd watch all these youtube videos you know and i still do you know darn near religiously right i i watch them all the time who's your and favorite one by the way before you go tactical bassin probably yeah you know and 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 i kind of felt a kinship to them i still do you know i know they left they left the west coast but just because i was like oh man these dudes are on the west coast they're catching fish. It's a similar environment. I mean, it's definitely yeah. different, but, you know, I can get to the Bay Area. They're, they were near the Bay Area, you know, Clear Lake and whatnot. That's like a, 
it's probably like a 16 hour haul for me, something yeah. 12, 12, maybe, you know, if I do it in the middle of the night, no traffic anyway. So I just felt like a connection, you know, like, Oh, they're, they're yeah. near me. They're doing things in a similar way that I probably need to do. So I really, I really latched onto their sort of techniques because when other videos that I watch, you'll see somebody in, you know, I don't, I don't know, say Texas, Tennessee, I don't know, the mm -hmm. South Alabama or wherever they're at. And you just see, like, they're talking about, oh, we've got 12 inches of visibility. Right. And so we need to throw these like big old Colorado blades, spinner baits, or we need to, we need to, you know, just these, these big old jigs that make a bunch of racket. Right. That it just, it doesn't work here for me. Like yeah. that just, it doesn't exist because, so I was just out yesterday on the Columbia river and, and this is, this is so normal, at least 10 feet of feet, feet of visibility, you know, I mean that, and that's, that's, that's not even, here. and that's, and that's <laughs> not even clear too, because yeah. So there's some there's some lakes uh, down in the in the Central Valley down near Eugene, where 20 feet of visibility is normal, right? Like I mean the water is just so clear and and you can see just wow. you can just see everything and so you really have to adapt your presentation to that because it has to be natural. Like you're not going to trick them with some big like bright red crankbait in 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 June, right, or July. Mm -hmm. When that water's had time, there's not a bunch of rainfall. It's had time to settle out, right? It's just clear. It it's just sitting there. Um, you, it, I mean, I mean, yeah, sure, you can catch them on a crankbait like that. Sure, you know, they're gonna bite it probably sometimes. But you know, for me, it's like if it's not, if it's not white, or, or kind of like a goldish color, or maybe like a green yeah. pumpkin, bronze. Yeah, any any yeah, like it's it's got to be some sort of natural. It's got to at least attempt to mimic something that they might see, you know, and, and they're all crawdads. They're, you know, crawfish crawdads. Um, they're all over in our lakes and stuff too. And they eat that a lot, but it's like, if you're trying to mimic bait fish, especially, yeah. um, it's gotta be something supernatural because they're going to see it from, you know, from a mile away. So awesome. So anyways, I got you out of, uh, uh, out of what you were saying. So what the similarities between small mouth bass and large mouth bass? And I do apologize. I kind of interrupted you with that question. No, no, that's, that's good. So the similarities, I, well, I think, I think that's a lot of it. Like what I was just saying too, is like, yeah. it's just, it's, you've got to be natural with it. And then a lot of the differences though, are really where, where we fish mm -hmm. for them, because there are a few lakes that have both and, and you can really, you, yeah. Oh yeah. There, yeah. So there's some lakes again, down in the Valley. There's even a big lake here. The lake that has our state record smallmouth fishery. I, I rarely catch smallmouth at, but I catch largemouth there all the time, but I know mm -hmm. there's smallmouth in there. I'm just not usually fishing for them in the same place. Like, so it's this really deep reservoir and it's, it's like a hundred feet deep near the dam. And there's this big rock, like riprap dam. And it's, it's just, it's riprap probably down to, you know, all the way to the bottom, right? hundred feet deep. And along that you can catch smallmouth all day because they like that rocky structure. But on the up, on the upper side of the lake, it's all grass flats. That's what I was talking about with my, you know, getting my first kayak earlier. It's all this grassy flat and the largemouth love that. I've never caught a smallmouth in that area, but I'll catch largemouth there, you know, all the time, any day. So they, they just inhabit different areas of the lake. And, and then, you know, in, in our rivers, so from what I understand, and I, and I, I you know, they probably weren't that way uh, since I was a kid, like a young kid, but the mm -hmm. Willamette River, which is the main river, it runs through, it runs through Portland, but it runs all the way from 
middle of you know central oregon um all the way up to the where it hits the columbia river it's mm-hmm. a really big river i think it's like in the top 20 in the nation um in terms of flow and uh it is packed full of smallmouth but i hear that you know 20 30 years ago it had a lot more largemouth but the smallmouth have taken over just because they're so aggressive and i do catch a largemouth there but i'll catch them on accident um but you know that river has a little bit of current it has a lot of rocky structure um you know that sort of thing so i think that's the major difference is just that like the smallmouth around here if you can find the rock you'll find the smallmouth and then with the bass it's like a lot more grassy or maybe you know there's a fallen log you know a, a lay down in the water something like that uh, it, it's more of where you find them not necessarily what you're using to catch them i think at least in my experience yeah what's um what what do you like to do more um smallmouth bass or largemouth bass you know, I, I do smallmouth a lot more often. Um, and I think it's because it's a lot more accessible to me. Um, and man, they fight so hard too. like, you know, yeah. a 20, a 20, a 20 inch smallmouth man is, is a blast. It really is. I love it. Um, but you know, I like, I like catching largemouth too. Sometimes I'm just up for an adventure and I'll drive like some of those lakes that, that are down near the Eugene area and stuff. They're, they're a two hour drive for me. Um, but, but it's different too. It's like, if I go down there and I, and I can catch, you know, a few fish or whatever, and I can kind of convince myself, you know, Hey man, I can do this. Like I can go to a new body of water and catch a fish that I'm not used to catching. Um, and those are, those are almost always largemouth. And so I, I like that a lot too, but, but mostly smallmouth. I mean, I, I target smallmouth probably, you know, 80%, something like that. What would say the realistic, um, size and weight you can expect for largemouth bass in in and both largemouth bass and smallmouth bass and i know that's going to differ um but what would be like if you're going to if i'm going to oregon on the great northwest to go fishing obviously i'm from texas you know the expectations catch a 20 20 inch double digit you know largemouth bass is real um Going into the Northwest, what could somebody expect? An experienced angler can expect to be like, to catch, you know, that would be like, yeah, that that sounds about right for that area that you live. It's, that's, yeah, for, for largemouth, um, on average, I mean, much smaller than a lot of the country, right? Of course, where you live or Florida or like, you know, yeah. the South. Um, I think on the top end of that scale i think if you catch like a six pounder you've done really well you know i I, and i don't even know if i've seen a picture of somebody catching a six pounder i mean i know they exist right because you hear about it sometimes yeah um for for a large mouth like six pounds would be big you know my my biggest is 18 inch uh large mouth uh, which i think was probably right around four pounds something like that um and then for small mouth on the other hand in the Willamette River, I think on average, the size is a little bit smaller than the Columbia River. Mm-hmm. Um, but my biggest is 20 and a half, and I think that's oh. somewhere around five pounds. And, and our state record, I, you know, I have to look it up. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's, it's bigger than that for sure. It's like in the, I want to say seven pound range, but that just is not common. It's really not common. So I, I think, yeah, largemouth, you're probably in the top set six pounds, smallmouth, you know, maybe similar but probably more closer to five maybe five and a half something like that 
1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. No, it's not that's, a, that's a big fish. I mean, if, if, if I were to catch a six-pound six largemouth, you know, like a 20, 21, something like that, I'd, I'd be stoked. That would be, that would be considered like a trophy bass. In that Definitely for, at my, at, for where I'm at right now, yeah. absolutely. And I think a lot of people would consider it that, yeah. No, awesome. Um, what, um, how does the, the transition seasons, um, we're actually, uh, let's break it down by seasons. Cause I've actually was kind of blown away with, uh, I was talking to a coworker. She, she's from Seattle, both her and husband from Seattle. They transferred to Dallas because of work. Now they retired. They moved back to Seattle. Um, and she's been telling me, you, you got to come over here to Seattle because they have a lake house and a stock with huge bass. He was sending his, her husband sent me a picture of bass they caught recently. And I was like, that's a big bass. Even, even for Texas size, that's, that's a big bass. Um, but one of the things that I've, that talking to her that I got, that I got blown away was, um, the seasons like winter, and I didn't know this. Winter apparently it's not as cold as people expect us southerners. I would should say southerner by adoption, but yeah. that I expect you know there's not that it's not that cold now. Is how is how would you say that's accurate? You know because we can. I guess a lot of people from an area would consider like, oh yeah, this is gonna be like Ohio, you know, the great tundra, you know, Wisconsin kind of thing, you know, the yeah, Great yeah. Lakes. Is it that cold over there in the Northwest? So, so it's it's interesting, right? So if you look at us on a map, yeah. Well, it, more like if you look at us on a globe and you yeah. actually look at so you know the 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 longitude longitude yeah. on the lines. So we're at the 45th parallel. The 45th parallel is about 45 minutes south of me on the freeway, right? Mm -hmm. So we're halfway between the equator and the North Pole. Okay. And, and you know, and then if you look at that same line and you trace it over, that's like equal to like Maine. Yeah. Basically, right? It is freezing cold up there, right? You yeah. know, all the Great Lakes, all the way into the Northeast. I mean, it gets extreme up there. If we get six inches of total snow, in the Portland area. And that's true for Seattle too. Like pretty much we're, we're more or less the same. I mean, yeah. not, not exactly, but we're more or less the same. Yeah. If we get six inches of total snowfall in the winter, it was a big snowfall. Really? Now, that's, that's not true. You know, that's not true in the mountains and whatever, but like yeah, down yeah, here course, in the yeah. valley. And, you know, and then if you, you're talking about like upstate New York or something, you know, they're getting feet of snow. Right. Yeah. And then that's all the, that's true all the way into like Ohio. Like you mentioned that whole area, Great Lakes and whatnot. So no, it's it's just it's way more temperate um, than most people think. It rains a ton in the wintertime. Yeah. Don't get me wrong; it's always friggin' wet. That's why it's so green over here. You know, it's like it's like rain from pretty much like it'll start raining here in a month. Halloween, it's always raining, and it'll rain till like May, and it'll just rain, 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 rain all the time. Um, you know, but it's not that cold. You know, our, like our, our lows, it, you know, they get to blow freezing, like you know. I don't know, 10 days a year, 20 really? days a year. Not oh. that bad. And, and then no, when I say freezing, it's like 30 degrees. You know, it's not even like it's not 10 or, you know, 
negative well, degrees. And I heard a, a lot of it has to do with the Pacific winds, you know, hitting the coming from, I guess, the West Coast. Uh, and again, I'm not an expert on meteorologists, but I found that interesting. Um, kind of, And again, it kind of blew my mind. I always thought it was like, oh, that's going to be like, you know, same thing as Wisconsin, same as Maine or upstate New York. But I found out it's not. And that's interesting. Now, going back to that, how does that affect the fishing? Because in winter, you know, let's break it down by season. Let's start with winter. How does winter, or what, you know what, fall is about, it's just started. So let's start with fall. How does fall fishing for either smallmouth bass or largemouth bass um, works for you in that yeah. area? You know what, fall, fall starts to get real tough. Uh, and for me, and the reason for that is the river, as soon as the rain, I fish the river and it's a big old river. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it, when, when I talk river, like in, in, in say the middle of summer, there's like barely any flow in this river. I mean, like you, you could be on it and you, you don't know if it's the current moving you or the wind, right? Because there's mm -hmm. just, it's really, it's a big river and, and it's just, there's not rain flow that's flooding it out. Um, so it's a really slow moving beast, but when the rains start, there's so many tributaries that flow into our rivers, especially the Willamette. And I'm speaking mostly about the Willamette because the Columbia is all dammed up. Mm. So the Columbia, um, you know, above our first dam, Bonneville Dam, which is about an hour from me, above that, it's it's a bunch, a series of pools, right? Because there's so many hydroelectric dams and they, they can maintain that water. So they, you know, say, hey, we need more water. It's like Kentucky Lake or something, right? From yeah. what I understand, it's like it's it, it's the flow is based on how much hydroelectricity they need to generate, right? Yeah. So they open up the flood, you know, the, the dam and generate more electricity that creates more flow. But on the Willamette, there's no dams. And when the rain starts, it'll blow out and it'll get moving. I mean, if you, you could be in the wintertime um, when we have a big rain, you can be in downtown Portland and see straight up logs flowing down the river. I mean, it's just brown. It's nasty. Like I, you cannot be out there on a kayak after the rains start heavy. So really our, I feel like our fall is cut short by the rain a lot of times because that water temperature could be, could be okay. You know, it could be like in the fifties, but there's just so much flow that I'm not going out there on a kayak, you know, no. Uh, and I, and I don't have a boat, you know, and I don't really, I don't know anybody with a boat. So I know, I know guys do go out there and fish it, but for a kayak fisherman, I, it's like, not for me, no, thanks. I'll pass, you know, because it's like, you're going to, you're going to spend all your energy trying to paddle up tr upstream to a spot and then try to just maintain that spot. Cause if you go downstream, you're not, you're not coming home. You know? Yeah. So, do you so mostly do um, lake fishing or I'm assuming you do, do you river fishing mostly? Um, do so you I do lake fishing as well? I do. Um, and the lake, yeah, if, if I want to do fall fishing and winter fishing, I'll hit the lake. But the thing is, the nearest lake to me, and there's a lot of this around here, too, is that the reservoirs are really deep. And you know how the bass get. And when I'm yeah. talking deep, I'm talking like 100 feet deep. Mm -hmm. So and it's like they'll go out and, and I don't know where they go. They just like disappear because I don't feel like they're on the bottom, but they're probably out suspended somewhere in, you know, 30 feet of water who knows just in the middle of the lake somewhere and it's it's really tough to catch them uh in the in the late fall and in and in the winter time so i'm not very successful in the winter i know that you know from talking to other people deep uh presentations like a deep drop shot or uh you know maybe a ned rig things like that around any any sort of rocky point you can find um in the late fall and in the winter is is good uh but it's tough it, because the water does get cold. You know, like our, our water temps will get into the mid 40s. 
Okay. Uh, and those bass just kind of shut down, you know, and you really, you got to basically bump them on the nose to get a bite. So it's tough. Okay, so kind of like fall and winter, kind of like the same thing as far as there's a lot of rain. Um, and I guess winter gets more colder. So the, so the fishing gets tougher for you, right? Yeah. So one, um, is there any season that you would particularly move to say, Hey, this is, it's about the season where I'm going to focus more on largemouth bass than smallmouth bass or vice versa. Is there any season like that that you say, no, I want to focus on this bass species because of the season? Yeah, I think it's probably around the spawn. Um, mm. For me, that's, but, but it's tough. It, it almost, it's like, where, where do I want to go? It's, it's, uh, you know, thinking about just how far do I want to travel today? Because really once, once we get into say March, you know, um, and, and April, really the, the weather generally, we get our first like 70 degree wind or not wind air temperature days, you know, probably in April. And at that point, the smallmouth are spawning. Um, but again, if the river is blown out, you can't really get on it. So I, I almost always miss the smallmouth, smallmouth spawn because the river it, it's tough. Like I said, it's hard to get on the river. Um, so then I'll, you know, if, if the, if the air temperatures are right and the water temperatures are getting up there, then I'll go hit largemouth, you know, in like April and, uh, and I'll have a lot, you know, have a lot of good success with that just up shallow, you know, and a lot of the same techniques that, that everybody talks about, you know, you can catch them on spinner baits up shallow. You can catch them on, you know, simple, uh, you know, uh, weedless Texas rigs, things like that. Sank, you know, Sankos, uh, wacky worms, whatever, that sort of thing. Um, but one thing that I do love to do in the, in the spring is on the Columbia river. So the Columbia has on both sides, but Washington is on the North side. So you can't, well, unless you buy a, a license, right. For Washington, but if you're an Oregonian, you can't fish that side of the river, but there's some sloughs and some backwater areas that the, the bass can get into and those pools warm up way faster and they'll come in there to spawn and that is so much fun and to, to go yeah. out there and throw to throw like a, a ned rig out there or even i'll catch them on a spinner bait because the smallmouth can be so aggressive uh around the spawn you know they're 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 ready to eat the water's getting warmer um and i've caught some of my best smallmouth um on the Columbia River. And again, the Willamette River is difficult because it gets so blown out, but the Columbia is controlled by those dams. And so you can get in those backwater areas where there's not a, not a ton of flow and uh, the water clears up quicker. And that's a lot of fun. Well, so what's the best season for you to, to do smallmouth bass in this case? Because we already talked about largemouth bass, but smallmouth bass, what, when do you really say, okay, I'm going to focus more on smallmouth bass? You know, it's funny. I, I don't know who this uh, quote goes to, so I can't attribute it to anybody. But at some point, hmm. somebody I read or heard or something on a video, whatever, that they were like, smallmouth go together like, or smallmouth in summer go together like PB and J, peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> and, and and it's so true. I mean, it, if it's say it's July, um, I can catch 30, 40, 50 smallmouth in a day. Wow. Almost, and, and again, some of those are dinks. I mean, you really got to weed through the dinks. You know, you'll catch, yeah. you'll catch, if you catch 40 fish, you'll catch 20 that are eight inches or less, you know, Hey, it's a fish, right? It counts. Yeah. But, you know, and, and then looking for those, you'll catch four five, six that are, you know, 15, 16, something like that, 14 inches, whatever they are. 
Uh, but summer, man, if you want to catch smallmouth bass, uh, you can catch them and they'll eat. If it's plastic, they'll eat it. Like it's, it's like, you know, drop shot, Ned rig, Texas rig, um, spinner bait too. I love throwing a spinner bait in the, in the summertime. They get really aggressive around the rocks Any any sort of like rock kind of outcropping, yeah. um, uh, paddle tail swim baits, uh, yeah, anything like that. So summer definitely is the time if you really want to catch a whole bunch of smallmouth, you can catch them. I mean, it, anybody can. You know, you can be super novice. And that's what got me into it, too, is that, oh, wow, I'm actually catching fish. You know, if I wasn't catching fish, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it, mm. you know. But, it, yeah. just <laughs> you know, at least, it, you know, numbers uh, are relatively easy to catch. So it's fun. Keeps you engaged. Do you do any technique where you just want to, like, weed out the small the not the smallmouth bass but just the you know the dinks i should say um you do any technique where you say okay i want to weed him out so this is the technique or this is the size of bait that i'm using to get to the big smallmouth bass yeah i think size is a big thing um like if i'm throwing a swim bait you know i i can catch a ton on a three inch swim bait right and but if i make that just a little bit bigger do like a three and a half or a four inch I'll definitely catch less fish, but on average, they'll get bigger. So I do that. Um, another thing is going back to the spinnerbait. I love throwing spinnerbaits. And, and a lot of people don't, as far as I can tell, um, around here. It seems like a forgotten bait in a way. I hear a lot of people talk about soft plastics almost exclusively for smallmouth mm -hmm. around here. And, and there's something about the spinnerbait that just gets that bigger bite. And, and yeah. it's so much fun. You know, I mean, you just, you know, it, it's almost like a chuck and wine thing. And when I get next to some rocks, you know, if I can see a little, just even a tiny little rock point, you know, it, I mean, when I say tiny, I'm talking like three feet of a bigger rock sticking out somewhere. Um, and I just stop it for half a second and then just keep going. They'll hit it right there. And, uh, and usually bigger fish. So those are a lot of fun. You'll catch some small ones on it sometimes if, you know, if they're up for it, but generally bigger ones. I always thought... Um, and we were, we were talking about this with the pedal and fin host um, on our chat room in Facebook um, about sand bass and it applies to smallmouth bass too is like one thing that I love about again it applies to both smallmouth bass and sand bass is I think largemouth bass and it depends what bait you throw moving bait they're going to hit it hard but a largemouth bass relies a lot on the vacuum of opening their mouth and vacuuming in the bait. Right. Whereas a sand bass, uh, a smallmouth bass, have to really rely on hitting that bait and, you know, grabbing with their mouth. And so they hit, to me, they've hit, and that's what I love about fishing for both of them, even though, you know, in Texas, you you should try to go for the largemouth bass because they're going to be a lot bigger than the smallmouth bass and obviously the sand bass. But that bite, I mean, they those fish with that smaller mouth, they just hit that bait so hard that to me that's super fun to catch and it's kind of like underrated in the sense that, yeah, you're not getting that big fish that you might get with the largemouth bass, but boy, oh boy, do they hit that bait hard, man. Oh, yeah. They hit it so hard. Oh yeah, smallmouth are, are on on average, um, they they hit so much harder and they fight so much harder. Yeah. And and the thing, uh, what I love too about the river smallmouth especially, is that they're dealing with that. 
they're dealing with that current. They're dealing with that yeah. like unpredictability of the water. They're dealing with that, you know, they've got to hunt and there's a big area to hunt and that food can't, it, it can escape, right? Like it's, it's dealing with the same environment. It's got the current, it can get away. And so those smallmouth, they're, they're just so much more aggressive. I feel like on average than the largemouth. Um, don't get me wrong. I want to catch a 20 inch largemouth. I'm hunting for it, but that 20 inch smallmouth just doubles over your rod and just, you know, peels out drag. And, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's a five minute fight, you know, as opposed to, you know, two minute fight or whatever. I love it. And that would trigger, and I'm not a big river expert on this, but, um, we don't have, we do have river fishing here, but it's not, not as big as lake fishing over here. Um, but I would assume, and this is just me, kind of like what makes sense in my mind. I can be completely wrong. I'm not a biologist, marine biologist, or bass biologist by no means. But, you know, a fish that's constantly to survive has to fight with current yeah. is going to build that muscle mass more than a fish that can just leisurely just stay in one place on a lake and not have to worry pretty much little to no current at all. Whereas this fish, you know, that either they may be smaller um, because of the complexities of living in a river, but they tend to, I would think they tend to be, and I've heard they tend to be stronger and more muscle because again, they have to keep moving for a living, you know? I mean, um, it, it, so it's, it seems like that to me. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's a logical thing to think. And it seems that way, you know, it's like, I was out on the river um, a couple weeks ago and, and I saw this, I saw this explosion, right? This topwater explosion, you know, a couple hundred yards away. And I thought, man, I better go down there and paddle and, and throw something down in there. And, uh, and I got down there and it happened again. And I, so I threw in a swim bait, like a, it was like a three inch swim bait. And yeah, sure enough, started catching a couple. Well, what I realized though, a little while later, when I saw a blow up right next to my kayak, like five feet away, they were chasing individual little probably i don't know maybe they were like salmonoids or you know some kind of little maybe a little trout or a little you know a little salmon um small something but they were like three inches long same size as my swim bait but the, i guess the point i'm making is like it wasn't a school of fish but these smallmouth were chasing down individual fish going crazy and just trying to get this you know i'm gonna get that one guy right where it seems like you know it would be more productive for them to chase down a whole school and just swim through and get a couple. But they were just being so aggressive trying to get one fish at a time. And, and that's, and that's what they do out here. They just, yeah, they're yeah. nuts. They're serial killers. <laughs> they're fun to catch. I'm yeah. sure. So I noticed, I know that, um, North great Northwest, you get a lot of uh, salmon, steelhead and all that. And that's pretty much the fishing culture over there. Now bass, have, the bass culture has grown. How have you seen the bass culture, bass fishing culture, I should say, grown in the last, you know, since you started, whatever amount of years um, since you started? How do you see it? Is it growing? Are you more like, do people go like, you do bass fishing over there? Or like, are they like, or is it growing? Are you, you feel like you're the um, kind of the exception to the rule or is there really bass anglers out there? Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com 
there are bass anglers out here. I mean, we, we have, you know, I don't do the tournament scene at all. Um, but we do have a small, you know, a bass fishing tournament circuit out here. Um, and it, it, it probably has grown, you know, there's probably more people just like me who, who didn't know it was a thing and now they know it's a thing. And, and I do see more people out on kayaks, which almost surely are bass fishing because I mean, you can, people do, they're crazy out here. They'll fish for sturgeon. They'll fish for salmon. Uh, they'll fish for big old fish on kayaks. They're, they're crazy. But, uh, um, you know, I do see more kayaks out and they're probably fishing for bass, but, um, I don't think it's really grown all that much. I think it's still a forgotten thing. Like people there, there's a really big, uh, sort of, you know, argument, if you will, against like, you know, the, all the bass fish are invasive and they're taking over the water of these like cold water, you know, salmon and steelhead and eating up all their, eating up all their, you know, their fry and whatever. And maybe that's true. I'm not, I'm not here to dispute that, but you know, there's way more cold water anglers that are out fishing for steelhead, salmon, trout, and, and that those species, than there are bass, but you know, Hey man, they can leave them all to us. Cause no, I'm, I'm having a ball, man. I'm having a ball, you know? And so, you know, and that's the other thing too, is like, you know, you're fishing for salmon, a good season, you know, you go out and catch like two or three, right. Or, or whatever. And, and sure you take them home, you eat them. They're delicious. Um, you know, I'm not bad mouthing that, but like, shoot, I can go out and catch 30 bass in a day and have a great day. I'm not just, you know, waiting for something to bite. I'm out actively fishing for it. Yeah. And there's just way more fish to catch and they're super accessible. Um, you know, one thing though, to go back to your question a little bit is, I have noticed in a couple of the local tackle stores that there's a bit more tackle every year, you know, mm. a bit more plastics, a bit more like jig heads, a bit more, you know, spinner baits and stuff. And, um, and the, and the local Cabela's too, there, there's still a big majority of them is, uh, is cold water stuff. But once uh, Bass Pro Shops bought Cabela's, I noticed that there was more bass gear as well. So it's, and, and maybe that's just the takeover there, but, uh, I have a, you know, I want to believe that somebody realized, Hey, there's a lot of guys in here looking for bass gear. Maybe we should, you know, increase our thing by, you know, 10%, 20%, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, in general though, people aren't fishing for bass gear, just in general. Right. Uh, but those of us who are, are super into it and it's a lot of fun and, and, uh, it's not going away for sure. So. Nice. Do you, I know you say you don't really do tournaments, but do you, do you part of like a club or community out there, um, that do bass fishing I'm or just, not, just go and do it by yourself? Yeah, I just pretty much do it by myself. I, you know, I have a couple people who, who I, I go out with, um, you know, occasionally I went out with a guy yesterday. We went out to the Columbia river. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, you know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty quiet guy in general, you know, uh, and, uh, just, just doing my own thing, man. And, you know, <laughs> I post on social media sometimes and, you know, I, I, uh, I do go to a, an online forum. We've got the, um, Oregon fishing forum that I, that I go to sometimes and, and talk to people on, but, uh, yeah, in general, I'm just out to, for the, for the rest and relaxation and, uh, you know, that, that feeling, man, that, that tight line. Yeah, definitely. So, man, it, uh, I mean, I hope it grows, but doesn't grow too much where it's going to have to deal with uh, fighting for your spots out there. <laughs> but, you know, the growth is always good. You know, you get more like you're going to say the demand for bass fishing, you know, uh, creates competitive and brands and stuff like that. So it's always good to grow. But, yeah, it could there could be a thing that's too much 
people. I don't see that happening in the great Northwest. Again, with all the, we, we said the salmon steelhead um, and the culture it is, but it is nice. And I'm glad you kind of opened my eyes to bass fishing the great Northwest. Um, I definitely want to go um, check out Portland and do some bass fishing over there. So maybe uh, I'll hit you up and you can do, take me, you can be my tour guide. Take me some oh, of those man, spots, man. I'd love that. that. Yeah. So, Luke, thank you so much for joining. I know you're not a big social media guy. Um, is there anything left that you want us to, um, before we wrap it up, that we're missing? That uh, any questions that I that I should have asked that I haven't asked about bass fishing, whether it's smallmouth or largemouth bass in the Great Northwest? Oh man, I don't know. I could I could talk all day. I love it. So <laughs> yeah, any 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 about it, I'm happy to happy to oblige and. No, I, I couldn't. I couldn't name anything you've missed. I yeah. There's plenty cool, more to talk about. I'm sure. And, oh yeah. yeah, you can talk about bass fishing. That's why I have an episode because <laughs> I can do it every week. Sure. But also, man, Luke, thank you so much. Before I let you go, man, anybody? I like I said, I know you don't do the whole social media thing that much and all that. But is there any local shops you want to thank? Any you know anybody that you want to thank for influencing you in bass fishing? Go ahead. Well, I. I I'm not on social media all that much. I do have Instagram. I'm on there. Uh, it's Luke underscore Johnson underscore PNW for Pacific Northwest. You can hit me up on there. Um, you know, I probably start posting on there more. I just, you know, neglect it. Uh, but yeah, you can hit me up there if you want to get in touch. And, and that's the other thing too is, man, I'm, I'm definitely interested in meeting up with more people and going out fishing with people. So if you're in the area and uh, you want to go out, catch some bass, uh, totally into it. So you can hit me up on there. Um, man, and then you know what? Like, uh, my wife puts up with a lot. Uh, <laughs> don't put you know, them she, all. <laughs> yeah, man, they all do, right? But, uh, no, man, it's, uh, it's a thing where it's like I literally go out on an entire weekend day every weekend, almost without question. It's like we, uh, you know, I pretty much I plan around it, and you know, she lets that happen for me. She, uh, she says, like, you know, you're a lion. If I don't let you out, you're gonna like you're gonna rip apart the cage, you know? So she, <laughs> she gives me a long leash to go out and, and explore and go on camping trips and just all that. So I appreciate that. So, yeah. Awesome. Got to thank the ladies for that, man. So you, Luke, you thank you. And, 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 no, and, and one other thing, man, I want to say is too, is like uh, the whole paddle and fin podcast as well, man, that is so cool. And uh, I want to thank everybody who does that. I listen to every single one of them, like oh, without it, question. I mean, I, I, I can't listen to yours in Spanish. The one you do, I think <laughs> I that's don't super cool me, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's I guess cool. I can listen to it. Right. Wouldn't if you wanted to learn Spanish, but no, I listen yeah. to it. <laughs> And I'm super into it, and I learn a ton from it from all the different guests, all all the everything about it. So I appreciate you guys doing that, and I hope you all keep it up because yeah, it's it's super cool. Yeah, we we have a great family at Paddle and Finn. We you you know it's like family. You know we have our differences, and it always always it doesn't always go smoothly. But I mean we respect we we respect and we love each other as a family in Paddle and Finn, and uh, you know. It's great to be part of the Paddle and Fin family. I've been here for now a few months now, thanks to Brian Schiller, um, who's pretty much the founder of Paddle and Fin. So he doesn't like to be called the big boss, but I always, just to tease him, I call him, shout out to the big boss, Brian Schiller. But yeah, man, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, we don't, we're not looking to get monetized. If it happens, it happens, but we're more trying to, um, grow you know the kayak fishing community um each of us have our own sponsors and you know some of them some of us may get revenue out of it or not some of them just discounts but the main thing is just you know 
help uh, the kayak fishing community grow um, organically um, and responsibly. Um, and that's the most important thing. And, you know, it kind of it, keep the drama out of it. And, you know, to me, kayak fishing has always been about getting away uh, for me, getting away from the hecticness of life. So that's what I want to bring to the podcast. You know, um, of course, there's situations like um, what uh, Oregonians and Pacific Northwest is going through the fire. So that needs to be mentioned and addressed, of course. And again, thoughts and prayers to everybody out there um, that is struggling through that. Um, I know things are come almost done with the wildfires, not completely right, but hopefully things will get better, especially when the rainy season comes now. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you again for that because yeah, you're, you're right. They're 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 coming to an end now. Um, you know, it's getting hot again, so things could could pick back up. I but I don't think you know this is the end of the season in general, um, and so we should be we should be pretty much out of the woods. Um, but man, like you know, down south California too, it gets a lot hotter down there. They get a lot less rain. Um, there's a lot of people down there that are in, in still in serious uh, you know a serious situation just you know as the season goes on because you know their fall. You know, down near LA, pretty much they don't even have a fall, so it could be fire season into, you know, into November for all we know. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, and and like I said, we're we're doing well, and uh, yeah, that's wish good. everybody wish everybody around here thoughts and prayers for sure. Yeah, definitely. So for those out there listening, again, uh, thank you to Luke Johnson for joining us. If you made it this far into the podcast, we appreciate it. Uh, remember. Uh, this segment is brought to you by Douglas Rods. Um, so check us out at douglasoutdoors.com. Again, they're now in Tackle Warehouse, which biggest probably online um, um, commercial for tackle and fishing gear. So that's pretty cool. So thank you again, Luke. Have a good night, man. And to you, all of you out there, stay safe. You're going to be on the water. Wear your PFDs. Take the necessary precautions to be safe. And tight lines, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.